Welcome to episode six of Timberwolves Tip to Tap. That's tip as in tip off for the Minnesota Timberwolves and tap as in the best the Twin Cities craft beer scene has to offer. I'm Dan Hilton, front man for indie rock bands, Southern resident Killer Whales and Sunder's Dream and co-host of the First Team All Nonsense podcast. And I'm Josh Dye, president of your Minnesota Timberwolves support group and new <laughs> psychotherapy entity specifically for Minnesota Timberwolves fans. And we are excited to join you for the only podcast in the world to focus on the world-class Twin Cities craft beer scene, always guaranteed to be a pleasing experience. And the stay after class Minnesota Timberwolves, which often feels like detention. Yeah, also a guarantee to <laughs> got a guarantee that we're going to be able to keep that terminology in in reference to stay after class for the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Getting up extra shots. Josh, we are going to make like citra hops and go right into beer. Uh, and we're actually having to circle back around on this one because what happened last Friday, Josh? Well, Dan, we were celebrating your 50th birthday and decided to do that at Udapil's Brewing in their amazing outdoor space that they have crafted during these COVID-19 pandemic times to make it possible to really enjoy drinking on site, even in frigid temperatures. And it was frigid, but they have this wonderful outdoor patio with big fires and multiple places to sit and spread out and stay warm even as it gets cold. Although I will say, Dan, your the hand warmers you brought were a game changer when we got into the third hour of our time outdoors there. But yeah, we were on site at Udapil's Brewing last Friday. Udapil's is located at 225 Thomas Avenue North in Minneapolis. This is just west of downtown between the historic Harrison and Bryn Mawr neighborhoods, and it has great access to the Theodore Worth Park and trail amenities as well. Dan, tell us a little bit about those trail amenities and your experiences. Well, one of my great loves in life is trail running. And so I think of, I, I live in North Minneapolis, kind of the extreme other end of North Minneapolis, but I sort of think of Theodore Worth as my home court. It's uh, for anyone that doesn't live in the area, and maybe for some people that do, Theodore Worth is this amazing natural playground in our city. It's about the size of Central Park in New York. It's about a mile outside of our downtown. If that, maybe more like three quarters of a mile, well, maybe a mile, but it's uh wooded you know forests hills ponds lakes uh with probably who knows the single track biking runs for dozens of miles never really having to double back on itself and so i, I go there for my trail running uh, all seasons of the year um there's great it's just a great natural uh, space right in our backyards here. And so Udipoles created their spot right on the border. So it's one of those things where people that are participating in some of those, um, you know, anything in the winter, there's cross country skiing and snowshoeing and so on. Just pop on over to Udipoles sitting by the fire and uh, take a load off. 
And one thing about Uda Pills is in the summer, it's located right on Bassett Creek. So you can sit on their Adirondack chairs and really soak in nature while enjoying their beer, which is brewed using water from the historic Glenwood Inglewood Wells. And these Glenwood Inglewood Wells, it's a natural spring water that's been around since the late 1800s. And this is a water source just west of downtown Minneapolis as well. Now, one of the interesting things about uh, Uda Pils is the style of beer that they brew. It's different than what you get out of, I'd say, pretty much every other Twin Cities tap room in that it really is European style. So rather than having this heavy focus on IPAs and experimental IPAs, which you and I both love, uh, they feature things like Hefeweizen, Belgian style, Czech style, Munich style, Kolsch's and more. And also things like a killer dry Irish stout known as the totally worth it. And so if you want to have a unique beer experience in terms of its flavor and branching outside of maybe more conventional craft beers, uh, Uda Pils can introduce you and maybe help you gain a love for a beer that maybe hasn't been your natural style. What do you think, Dan? Well, and, and I, I want to, I guess, piggyback on that and say, I, I think it's interesting because when you think about European beer styles, I, they do tend to be more subtle that where America, America, right here in the US, <laughs> we really focus on those extreme styles. So like what sorts of weird things can we put in beers and make it as sour as we can or as bitter as we can? And you and I both love that sort of experimentation. And so for people that are into those American beer styles, I think it helps if you're going to Oedipal's to sort of have a resetting of your expectations. Cause mm. if you're going there looking for that really edgy stuff, that's not what they specialize in. But I had a, uh, our, my good friend, Pat Mixdorf came to visit uh, just over a year ago and we spent some time there. It was actually, it was my best. I've been to Oedipal's a few times, but it was really, that was just this great visit where I, I just knew exactly what I was going in for. We sat there and we talked about, they have these flags hanging from their ceiling that we discovered through a little research while we were there that they're actually like representing uh, old German principalities and, and, um, and um, anyway, <laughs> So they incorporate some European flair into the tap room with flags and some some imagery as well. And and yeah, and so so sort of getting that like that's why I'm here. And so I, I would actually say that in in my experience, I have had a better Oedipal's experience when I'm not going there because they'll have a couple American IPAs on tap. But I'm not going to go to Oedipal's for that. I'm going to go to Oedipal's uh, for. A Kolsch. I'm going to go to Udapol's for a Czech Pilsner, and mm -hmm. it's. Um, I, I think if you do that, it's it's going to be a really satisfying experience. But I also think it's actually a great place to bring somebody who's you know normally you bring somebody that isn't into craft beer and you want them to experience something like that. You bring them into a a craft beer brewery and I, I will generally direct somebody like that to a blonde or an amber because I think of them as more entry just sort of like a little easier transition into craft beer yeah and I think that European styles can feel a little like that where they're not going to be so aggressive and so I think it's actually it's a great place to bring somebody who 
wants to get introduced to craft beer. And then if you're really into craft beer, then you can really sort of appreciate some of that subtlety of what's going on there. So something for everyone, I would say. Yeah. So let's talk for a moment about last Friday's visit. I drank the Lunar Eclipse, which is a Czech style dark lager and really enjoyed it. And then had their Evolve the Golden, which is one of my favorite experiences of drinking a beer typically in the summer because it comes in this big tall curved mm. glass it's just this like light golden refreshing beer which is really fun to have on a hot summer day overlooking bassett creek outdoors but you know what i also enjoyed it over the fire dan so those were my two beers uh dan had five beers <laughs> yeah, we so were celebrating a- his 50th birthday he did have transportation to and from uh <laughs> from a responsible family member. Dan, what do you remember that you liked? Well, let me do you also remember say, at all? You you told me you were, the beer was on you. And yes, I did I have did, a yeah. ride to and a ride from. So I was like, this is a rare chance. And so really I just to stick it to me. kept it going. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks, by the way. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I don't actually remember <laughs> what I had. I remember there was this loony picture of me all excited that we were doing the podcast and, you know, a couple beers in. Um, I definitely definitely had there's uh what was the double i would have had there was oh no it was it was a belgian quad yes so i knew i would when i knew i was home free i, I had that so it was like an 11 percent abv beer <laughs> everything was great i do like their dry irish stout which is just this smoky super super dry um thing that you know among their beers is a pretty unique offering that they have um i think i did have their ipa i think i had a ewald you ewald the golden is their golden hefeweizen and they have an ewald the dark which is a dark hefeweizen which good transition it's actually what i'm drinking here so i swung back around um, knowing that we were going to do this podcast i did a trail run there this week and stopped by um to pick up a uh actually maybe the first um, crow, uh, jar crowler I've ever gotten from a brewery, but it's a, a 750 milliliter. Um, and it's Ewald the dark, so a dark Hefeweizen. Hmm. Drinking it right now. Uh, I think it's it's really good. It's super malty, you can really smell the malts. Um, and I think more so than a, a lighter Hefeweizen, which tends to be sort of like crisper and clove and so on. And this is really sort of malty and almost grainy. And it's got these tiny little bubbles on it that almost look like what you see in a Guinness if you have the widget in it. It's um, so it's it's a very smooth flavor, but also very definitely a hefeweizen, uh, as you can see, cloudy. So hefeweizen made so because it's got they don't filter out the dead yeast, so the little yeasty beasties are sort of clouding your vision as you try to look through, mm. which I'm doing on camera here. So anyway, I'm loving this Ewald the Dark. Well, cheers to Utapil's beer. Cheers to their taproom experience and the outdoor setup that they have made for these COVID times. And cheers to Dan's fifth decade on this planet. I'm glad he survived our visit there. But he may not survive being a Timberwolves fan. Dan, let's talk about... Let's talk about the Timberwolves for a few moments, given that this is indeed a partial Timberwolves podcast. 
A couple of recent events, something that's become very common to this team, which is blowing leads and having fourth quarter troubles and uh, hating players and the coach. (laughs) (laughs) seem to be uh, hallowed Timberwolves traditions. I will tell you, Dan, I have never in my 40 years on this planet and watching basketball for most of it ever seen a team from different iterations of the team, different coaches, different playing styles, different players, ever blow leads like this team blows leads. Like I never I I never feel safe when this team has a big lead at any time of the game. Ever yeah. since like and you there are so many examples of this. So will you talk me and other Timberwolves fans off the ledge about what exactly is happening here with these blown leads and fourth quarter troubles in particular. Well, and let me say, I'm, I'm not here to tell anyone that they can't be really frustrated. And it was, it was pretty heartbreaking that what we're, we're coming fresh off that San Antonio loss. I saw some stat that, and these stats are always like, well, you didn't put the Timberwolf variable in there, but yeah. if for the, those three games at the highest possibility where they, you know, the win probability, each of the win probability. San Antonio, Orlando, and probably Sacramento from last year. No, no, no. Like literally our last three losses. (laughs) There was like a one in 36,000 chance. If you took each of them at our highest win probability, like San Antonio was over 99% or, Orlando was over 99% yeah. that we were would win if it were any team, but if it was, uh, you know, all other things being equal. So wow. by all means, be frustrated, be, be upset. Uh, but as has been my consistent theme through this entire season and will probably continue to be, you know, there's just context that gets lost in the heat of the moment and, and people get, it, it sort of reminds me like of people after 9-11 with like irrational ideas about somebody has to pay. Forget, I don't want to think about who has to pay. Somebody has to pay because this thing happened. And it's this uh, predictably irrational aspect to human psychology where you need you need to direct your blame somewhere. And it, there's plenty of blame to go around. Um but seeing that a lot with the Timberwolves in terms of them being year after year, always being the team that where you, you don't feel safe with a lead. I think it's fair to point out that one thing that very consistently goes hand in hand with blown leads is youth. And one way or the other, this team has managed to maintain not only a really young roster, but a really young roster in which players are getting young players are getting a ton of minutes. We see Cat now in his sixth year. Is that right? Yeah. That's what I, okay. I noticed you right. posted that to Twitter. That's like, oh, we're in t- we're in Cat's sixth year. Uh, and, you know, we still have the worst record in the league. Right. But <laughs> we're in Cat's sixth year. But not only is Cat not playing, but the team they have put around him is it's not like they are in their sixth year year of development it's extremely young i saw a thing recently where we're the third youngest roster but i thought something doesn't smell right with that we're the third youngest roster but you're not you're not waiting that by playing time 
and and mm. I didn't fully do this relative to other teams and truly in terms of how many minutes are happening like currently at this moment. But what I did was I pulled down stats on the Wolves roster and how many minutes they've played this year, the total number of years of experience in the league and their age. So Josh, take a guess as to the, for the top eight players on the Timberwolves team in minutes played top eight players, what is the median years of experience Ooh, that's got, it's got to be like two. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Okay. The years of experience of two in which these young players didn't get a chance to do summer league this last year and are in a situation where you can't do in-person players only meetings and in-person, you know, this and that. And so crazy year. And we've talked about the crazy year. We've talked about the lack of summer league, but it's one of those things. If you've ever heard that, you know, anything you say, <laughs> before or after the word but doesn't really matter because you've just qualified what you said so what you hear is i know they i know they're young and i know they didn't get summer league but and it's like well no no you can't ignore what you just said those things are still evident and so you have a, a very young team where the top eight players have a median of two years of experience what's the median age josh of those top eight players all right it's <laughs> gotta age. be like 21 to 22 years of age or something. Perfect. It's 21.5. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, I didn't say do want to do average because Ricky is number four and he yeah. would have brought it, you know, up just because he's 30. But when you consider the other people on the team, I'm D'Angelo Russell, still 24, actually. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you know, this is true. There are teams that have ended up being good that were blowing leads when they were young. Look at look at young Jamal Murray, young Jokic, Denver missed the playoffs. They were pissing away a lot of games that as those players matured, they would start to win. And I'm not saying that what we're seeing is entirely acceptable and we can't be frustrated and that there aren't some people that could take some blame from all this. But as you were saying last time, um, this it really should be expected. You know, Ryan Saunders could coach his ass off. He's got a t team where most of the players he's running out there have a median age of 21.5 and they're making mistakes and they're not executing down the stretch. And that's always going to be the case. 21.5 and a, 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 like you said, a median of two years of experience and uh, no preseason, a limited training camp, plus very limited time and opportunity due to COVID to have team meetings and sort out things that might otherwise uh, get sorted out. And I could see where somebody would be like, yeah, these are all excuses. But I do think that they're, they are legitimate excuses. They're legitimate challenges. Let me put it this way. They're legitimate challenges that in this environment are hard to overcome. That if you normally need, as Ricky was saying a few weeks back, like, ah, you know, this team needs like a three hour team meeting. And, you know, traditionally players would just like go behind closed doors and have it, but they're not even allowed to meet in that way. 
and maybe they need some Zoom training so that they can figure out how to do their team meeting on Zoom and break out into Zoom rooms and breakout groups so that they can, you know, resolve some of these things. But the reality is that they, the typical tools that a struggling and young team would have at their disposal to resolve some of these issues and for veterans to have more influence uh, are just absent due to injury, absent due to the, how the pandemic has disrupted the structure of how teams often resolve their issues. And by the way, Cat <laughs> has played four games. So on top of all this, so what you've done is you've taken a team that is was uniquely constructed to try to support Cat yeah. And he's not been there. <laughs> they had a chance to beat a San Antonio team that a San Antonio team was missing a couple players, but they weren't missing their cat. Yeah. So a San Antonio team that knows how to execute down the stretch is, has the, maybe the best or the most experienced coach in the league. It was at San Antonio. We almost pulled it out. Didn't. <laughs> what do you expect? No, the, the the meltdown was was terrible, and we got to get that figured out, and that's why these guys are getting reps. But you know, let's stop looking at them and saying, "I can't believe we have five." Well, I mean, you can say, "I can't believe we had five wins," but like, <laughs> I can. Do you think? Yeah, I can too. But but do you think that we would have five wins without the without these externalities? Yeah, well, I, uh, you know, when you look at the games that Cat has played, and it's not, you know, not to to beat a dead horse on this, but you know, we won the first two, and then that third game he played, we were very competitive, and that was with him with like a cast on his his wrist as well, or a brace on his wrist as well, and, and possibly and, already COVID, right? And we were already, and we were in that game, so I, you know. I get that. It's like, well, the games still have to be played. People still have to be accountable and like, but let's hold them accountable to the things they can be held accountable to in the context of the reality of what's happening. And that's where I'm at as a fan right now is that like, yeah, I hate it when this team keeps blowing leads. I hate that. And and yet, I expect that they will continue to have these struggles until Cat returns. And then they're going to need some ramp-up time. And hopefully, here's my hope, Dan, is that we will have a stretch of games in the next few weeks. Let's get Cat back once he's fully healthy. And let's just... Hazard a guess that Cat will be back in the next two weeks. I don't know that. I'm just like, let's just say he's back in the next two weeks. And then after that, let's just cross our fingers that everybody stays healthy COVID-wise and physically, and we get to see this team as it was constructed and evaluate it from there. And if we never get to see that, then it's like, well, that's just bad luck. And I don't know how to analyze or assess or hold people accountable for bad luck. Mm. I get that losing that lead, you get held accountable to like every decision Ryan Saunders made that could have been made should be called out and identified. I'm fine with that. 
and every lazy play that any player had at any point that led to that meltdown should be called out. But in the but you and I like to take a bigger picture view of you know what this team is and and where it's going. I'll leave it to other people to adequately hold them accountable for those moment by moment decisions. But I want to look at the big picture of what was created, what was intended, and have they had a chance to do any of that? And the answer thus far has been no. It right. No. And, and yeah, and, and I think that the thing that we, and the reason why we keep coming back to this sort of take, I think is just witnessing what seems to be a general inability by people to see a larger picture. And the pushback is the Timberwolves have sucked for 30 years and still suck. And so people's patience or their trust is rightfully very low. Well, I have zero trust in this team, Dan, like that. (laughs) (laughs) But where I'm going with this is I I think about right now, there's this idea, you know, we're going to come, we're going to finish with, we're going to finish second or third worst in the league and cat's going to get pissed and he's going to leave. And I think about how after preseason games, people were ready to give up on the team because of preseason mm-hmm. games. Then we won two, our first two regular season games and people are very, very, very happy. Cat, cat gets hurt. He's out. People are very, very sad. And the inability to, take all those pieces together and fit them in and, and get a longer picture view is it's just a, a an interesting psychological uh experiment josh and, and you know where i think this has a uh, a long the reason i think this matters so much to us is that it actually can have a long-term negative impact and here's how is that if as fans we start bailing on the team, putting a ton of pressure on the situation, on the coach, on the president of basketball operations, on the players. If the criticism is high and the dissatisfaction is high, I do think that there is a point at which the people calling the shots, ownership, et cetera, see this and get influenced by it at some point. If the groundswell is there enough for long enough, and then they start holding people accountable because they got to keep the people buying the tickets and, and and all of this. And then they make these decisions and the vision never actually has a chance to materialize. And then that player goes and has success elsewhere. And we're like, oh, you know, why are they doing that there and not here? And I'm not referring to Andrew Wiggins by that, mind you. Right. <laughs> I'm referring to any other uh, player who actually shows appropriate effort given their talent and abilities. Uh, but that it ends up leading to decisions that sabotage a longer term view. And that's where I think, you know, and not that owners should listen to fans or president of basketball operations should listen to fans, but I think they get the temperature of what's happening and are influenced by that to a degree that can lead to decisions that, well, yeah, they're right. We got five wins. This is terrible. So now I'm going to let this piece go. And I think you have to give your vision a chance. And even if that doesn't materialize until next year, so be it. I want, I, Dan, I want to see 
the vision of this team have a chance. Right. And Cat and Dino at five games is not that chance. And so I'm just, I'm not hearing it um, in terms of, oh, this is a huge problem. It's not a huge problem. It's a tremendously bad luck. And on top of that, then a thing that on other teams is a blip in the radar for Timberwolves becomes like a crisis. Right. And to be clear, we don't think that the regime or decisions the organization makes should not be criticized and that front office and whoever else is making decisions for the team should not hear it. Because if there is fan dissatisfaction, I mean, they're ultimately they're putting out an entertainment product. And if people are upset, they need to know that. But I think what you're saying is to the extent they end up getting influenced by people who are letting their emotions get the better of them is maybe not, going to necessarily be the wisest way to run an organization. You have someone who literally thinks they could make better coaching decisions than Ryan Saunders ends up influencing a front office to, you know, make a coaching change. And again, in terms of the short, short attention span, just to throw out, remember Phoenix last, last summer in the bubble, they missed the playoffs. And yet they went on an eight game win streak in the bubble and there was such excitement coming out of there. They were in everyone's preseason picks for making a big move. That run in the bubble may have actually literally brought Chris Paul to their team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wasn't they didn't even make the playoffs. It was just a little momentum. And so we talk here from the depths of a, I don't know, is it five and 17 now? I don't know. It's gotta be close to that. Yeah. So all hope is lost. All hope is lost. But you know what? What do you think happens if Cat comes back and we win three games in a row? Three three measly games in a row. Suddenly, oh, my God. (laughs) We're not alone. You know, national media, very short attention spans. Everyone else, suddenly they're hitting Zach Lowe's 10 things I like. And suddenly everyone's talking about momentum building. And, and, you know, obviously – this is pretty premature. They actually have to win three games in a row for this to happen. I'm just saying that that's how quickly these things can turn. So could we miss the playoffs and still end this season with a lot of momentum and excitement? Absolutely. And Dan, the wolves right now are five and 16, but your five and 17 feels like something that's coming. So <laughs> although uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander isn't playing tonight. So oh. that may help game Oklahoma city tonight. So, Dan, do you want to talk about a quick note on our philosophical approach to the Timberwolves? (laughs) Sure. I feel like we sort of touch on this a little bit, you know, on an ongoing basis. Just, but just to be clear, Josh, why, why do you and I watch the Wolves? I think we're pretty in lockstep on this. I think you know we love basketball and we love the entertainment of NBA basketball, and it is a. Uh, primarily for fun, yeah. For fun, <laughs> for fun. Yeah. yeah. And and for both of us, losing is not fun. They lose a game at you know, and I'm really frustrated and a little upset. And when it's like a loss that really burns, then it's a little harder to let go. But mm-hmm. but you let it go. But when I look and see some of these, just you know, Ryan Saunders has to go, and blah blah, blah just that anger and the just 
it doesn't seem to me like these people are having fun and I'm not telling them that they need to have fun, but in terms of where we are going to focus our energy in this podcast, <laughs> we're going to try to focus more on the silver linings and the things that we're excited about it because it's, it would be one thing if this was climate change and an existential threat to humanity, we're not going to ignore <laughs> the danger signs. We're not going to ignore <laughs> the, the negative things are out there. This is basketball. Yeah. Well, let's acknowledge it, man. We, <laughs> most of the players that were brought in, to expected to be major contributors to this team have played like the worst versions of themselves. I don't think anyone saw Ricky Rubio playing as badly as he has. Wancho in the limited time that he's been out there has been bad. I think D'Lo has been about as expected, honestly, but nobody expected the season to go like this. Nobody's enjoying it. <laughs> We're acknowledging that, but in spite of all that, uh, we're seeing some silver linings amidst all the despair, right? Yeah. So, Dan, the silver lining of – all right, well, first, let's talk about the despair of, gosh, we're just not seeing any progress. We're still the worst team by record in the NBA or at least tied with Detroit for it. Uh, what's the silver lining here? Well, <laughs> the silver lining here is had we not had some of the – combination of bad performances by uh, some of our more experienced players and the extended leave time uh, from some of our more experienced players, we would not have gotten to see the minutes that we have from some of the younger players. I think it's pretty safe to assume most people watching uh, or most people following this team assumed that Jade McDaniels was a G League assignment all year and suddenly he may be our, our new starting power forward and he's one of the most exciting storylines we have i think we've seen you know some of the uh focus that we've been able to turn our offense over to anthony edwards in recent yeah. games the continued development of nas reed all these things we wouldn't have gotten to see to the extent that we have uh, had some of the adversity not come our way and when we talk about how young players make bad decisions in critical moments and, and the challenges of having them in your lineup, these guys are getting important reps and they're losing. And that old adage about you got to fail, 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 and then you <laughs> succeed. It's like These guys are getting a chance to fail. And hopefully that will benefit us in a long run. Well, from a Timberwolves fan perspective, you just have to hope that it plays out that way this time because, you know, we're getting to see flashes from Anthony Edwards and how good he is in isolation. And he's having these spurts of play that are like, wow, this guy has the potential to be really good. And when that guy starts to get calls. Oh. Yeah. Right. And, oh. and, and Vanderbilt, just the energy that he brings and he brings so much to the table that we never probably would have had a chance to see. And you've already said it around Jaden McDaniels, but you see that guy contributing long-term to a Timberwolves team and having a nice NBA career if all things go well. And on that note, let's transition then to another despair that people have that's like, well, if this team doesn't get competitive, Cat's going to leave. 
So, so but, well, let me put yeah. a bow on the previous one, yeah. Dan. Is that like there is no progress from a record standpoint, but this experience that these young players are getting and these flashes that we are seeing, it at least has the chance of payoff down the line. Now we, we may would not get realize pushed. it, but if you want to be a happy basketball fan, a happy Timberwolves fan, have fun with it is you see these things and you hold to when this vision has a chance to materialize that the team's trying to put together, that we have more contributors than we actually thought. And I'm actually, I will say I, I was very disappointed, very upset at the end of that San Antonio game, but I actually had fun watching that game. I am having fun watching these young guys play. Yeah. And, you know, I think a pushback to the no progress take that we have is that they feel like they are not seeing a lot of progression in like, what's the vision, what's the identity for the team. Um, but, but I think that was maybe more of a criticism about six games ago. I actually feel like over the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see what that vision maybe looks like as, as much as we can with cat not being there, but just kind of that, that, high-flying energy group of hungry young wolves. <laughs> yeah, well, like, let me just list off something for you, Dan. Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Beasley, uh, Jaden McDaniels, mm. D'Angelo, hey. D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Naz Reed. What like, are you going to do? This doesn't cat- sound terrible, right? This does not... When we have a chance to put the man back out on the floor and surround him on a consistent basis with these range of pieces, uh, I'm interested. I'm really interested. What are you going to do when Cat comes back and we're all excited and watch Hernan Gomez starts at power forward? No, yeah. we don't know that that's going to happen. And it actually may not, but that's. And, and I will go on the record and say that should not happen. I know others have said like when Wancho's ready to go again, he should not go. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. That may be on one where with... we are in, in lockstep with a hive mind. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in that area, we are locked. I, I know I am anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. So Dan, another area of despair that some have is just that cat's going to leave where it, we're in year six. We have the worst record in the league. We've always been at or near the bottom, with the exception of the Jimmy Butler year. Uh, what uh, you got a silver lining for me on that concern? Well, I can't get in the head of a player, but I, I, I think one thing, and this is the more minor point, but the more minor point is I think Cat may actually not, his head may not work like your typical star. Like, I think he may be a little more soda in sort of a KG way than is generally assumed. Like, I think he has a loyalty to Ryan. He has a loyalty to the franchise for the, you know, the drafting by flip and all that. And I, I mean, he's, I could be totally wrong. I don't know. Yeah. But, but there, the, I think that might be in there somewhere. He also is recognizing the efforts they have put at surrounding him the way he wants and bringing D'Lo in and so on. But the other point, and this has been a low key thing I've been pushing for some time. So I'll just, I don't remember whether I've articulated this yet or not on this show, but 
so say like cat leaves what happens when a when a when a big star leaves a team what not when they just walk but when they force a trade what what are what is what happens in that trade well, in the Timberwolves uh, experience, that player goes and wins a championship. <laughs> other no, I'm talking about what happens when, <laughs> say, you know, An- Anthony Davis leaves and goes to New Orleans or see where I'm going with. Well, maybe you don't see where I'm going with this. <laughs> what well, I'm saying- generally, they get a lot of assets. They get a lot of picks. They get the right. opportunity for a refresh. Right. And so – like you're talking like three firsts and a God knows what, you know, a couple of young, mm. exciting players. And, Cause somebody has got a situation where they, do, they are ready to win now. They're not really thinking about redeveloping or whatever. So they are going to get rid of some high assets, young upside. And so for the longest time, this whole talk has been about like, let's get players on cat's timeline. We got Delo is on cat's timeline and, and Beasley is on cat's timeline. Well, mm-hmm. say like we, we hit people tend to talk about this cat's going to leave despair as though he's going to leave. And we are this team without cat. It's like, well, no, no cat leaves. We get a bunch of assets. So rather than talking about cat's timeline, if cat were to leave, let's talk about Jane McDaniel's timeline. <laughs> because, because are we legitimately excited about like, Oh my God, we got Anthony Edwards, Jane McDaniels. And these guys on like right now, like these ridiculously cheap deals or rookie deals or whatever. And, and so like now maybe next year you have Jade McDaniels, Naz Reed with a bunch of experience under his belt at that point, all these young guys were starting to get pretty excited about. And then what, then we have like two new first round draft picks and maybe we have, I don't know. I'm just throwing out like some guy like she, she Gilgis Alexander, who's 22 mm-hmm. and really good. And suddenly <laughs> nobody wants to hear like, Hey, the Timberwolves are blowing it up and starting over again. But I mean, that is a, a potentially exciting, exciting rebuild. Were that to happen? I, I'm going on the record. I want cat to stay in for this to be an exciting playoff team for a few years yeah. with him on it. And maybe Anthony Edwards ends up being more of a contributor, you know, going into next year than than maybe was anticipated uh, when he was brought in. And it, it certainly, as when I said preseason that I don't want a 19-year-old kid on the team that's going to have to re, you know, going to have to develop not on Cat's timeline. Hmm. But I'm all he in might on, be on Cat's now. timeline. You know, that's yeah, just maybe uh, he is. <laughs> he's, he's on Cat's timeline because Cat won't be taking the court again until <laughs> Anthony Edwards is 22. <laughs> yeah. So you're basically saying, you know, the, and this contradicts a little bit of like, well, Cat's gone. Just to clarify, you know, we're like, well, Cat's gone. That's why we're not winning. But the cupboards are not bare right now. And there is a reason for optimism. Yeah, I mean, the cover's bare in terms of a, a roster that can get us wins without him, yeah. clearly. Yes. But I, I think what we're or what I'm saying here is him leaving is not a doomsday scenario, unless you're considering it doom that we have to rebuild. But the fact is we would not be rebuilding from ground zero if he left. If he left, we would have a bunch of assets to add to 
some yeah. already intriguing assets. And we'd, at that point, we'd have a pretty exciting cupboard. Dan, you have five spots on the oh, Minnesota boy. Timberwolves power <laughs> rankings, and we have five wins. So that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will give my first win to my yeah, it would be kind of funny. It's like, I'm sorry, the Timberwolves power rankings only have three Timberwolves with. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just can't, in good conscience, give five top spots to these this team. And just to remind everyone, Dan's power rankings are more about like buzz, excitement, potential, fun than they are being the best player. It's more about who's got the buzz on the team right now. Nice to see Rondé Hollis Jefferson has made his way off of the uh, <laughs> the power rankings. He hung on there for longer than he should have. Dan, give us number five on okay. your. Well, I'm going to start on the with, and this is kind of cheating, but it's our show, so I can do what I want. But I want to give a special shout out to Jake Lehman, who's not actually making the power rankings, but I sort of thought he was being thrown on the trash heap along with Wancho. Ernan Gomez, mm -hmm. when I felt like he hadn't been given enough rope to truly hang himself when he was out there, he was a, a little invisible, not playing great, a little confidence issue when first trotted out early in the season, but then just sort of got lost in the rotation. And I, I've always been a big uh, Jake Lehman guy, and I, I think of him as having some of the sneakier ups in the league where he kind of goes from loping to dunking in like a yeah. millisecond. And I mean, I think he, he fits really well with a team that is moving the ball and can utilize his cutting and his, you know, break into the rim and so on. And he's not a half bad defender. And so I, I think I, I, I've been seeing a little confidence come back from him. He's been getting mm -hmm. some rotation minutes and it's, it's just nice to see, although I would not officially put him in the power. All right. So, so, so number five, sorry about that. A mini shout out to Jake Lehman before we start the general star rankings with number five, Dan. So Jared Vanderbilt, uh, I think it's worthwhile to say that given more minutes, and this is a thing you should expect a guy comes in and he's just like blowing the doors off and nobody's seen anything like it. And you can't get enough of Jared Vanderbilt. And suddenly we get more minutes of Jared Vanderbilt and he comes down to earth a little bit, whether it's other teams have had a chance to see what he can do and they're ready for him or just that he is definitely one of our many offensively limited players. And so when he's out there where we have a lack of shot creators, but he is still playing with a tremendous amount of energy. He's still, I think he's still a plus player. And it's just great to see a guy who is a doing lots of lunch bucket things to help a team win. And is going to give you a hundred percent every night. And everyone is still loving Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say he's come back down to earth all that much for me. I'm just still so delight delighted that he has maintained a, Pretty nice consistency. Dan, number four. Number four, Nas Reed, who almost feels like he could be higher. But here is a guy, undrafted, spends most of last year in the G League, comes in as I, I really think it's a fair thing to call him Carl Anthony Towns light. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's shooting like nearly 40% from three, can score at multiple levels. Although I heard this stat in a recent uh 
I think it was in uh, the Dane Moore podcast. He has literally never shot a mid-range shot in his career. It was amazing. <laughs> Not a single mid. They told him <laughs> to shoot threes and at the rim and okay, coach. He's the yeah, most coachable player. Drive to the basket and he shoots threes. That's all he does. You cannot ask more from him than he is given. And not only that, he has continued to improve in every aspect of the game. Let's be clear, continuing to improve, doing everything you ask, that still means as a starter, he's still more of a, he's not a 23 point a game score. He's a, he's a 13 to 14 point a game score, but man, he's a bucket getter. He, He has such nice footwork and such a, an agility and ability to put the ball in the hoop. Uh, we're just loving Naz Reed and he gets number four. Number three. So we'll see how this maintains and he may yet have kind of the return to earth phenomenon. I accused Jared Vanderbilt of having a minute ago, but wow, what a pleasant surprise. <laughs> this guy that he seems to hit corner threes. He seems to know how to, jet right over to the corner and wait for the ball and hit the corner three and is a good defensive presence. It's hard to believe that this guy was benched at Washington last year. How is that possible? Because he's like without a summer league and with no early season minutes, he's come in and is making positive contributions all over the court. A reminder, or I don't know if you knew this or had seen this bandied about, but he was actually number one on the ESPN draft board like two years ago like going into his freshman year he was expected to have that sort of potential so I think it's to think of him as like a 28th pick that is going far beyond his potential is not really the way to think about him correctly think about him as a guy that does have this potential that just something was not going right and it's like okay maybe now it's going right and it might make you a little more excited about what he could potentially mean to this team's long-term uh, prognostication. Number two, Anthony Edwards, who had a little bit of he hit a rookie wall there for like three or four games where he just wasn't even seeming to get shots off. And I think there was that thing where he started off trying to drive and was finding that he wasn't getting calls, was getting blocked. And Saunders said, Hey, just try to dunk everything. <laughs> so then he's just started going to, still not getting calls, but kind of going in with more aggressiveness and started to find his groove again. I think his shot selection is getting better. His three point shooting is definitely getting better. Maybe just a little more defensive awareness than there was early in the game. Again, just turned 19 in August, no summer league he was really put behind the eight ball and asked to make these contributions early in his career. It's uh, you know, you look at Lonzo ball, who's been playing professionally for a year or two um, by way of comparison. Um, It's kind of wild that if you actually look at his numbers is his plus minus, they're really, really bad. Plus minus is useless. Everybody knows that though. Right. I mean, yes. And like, not, not like, I, I guess I'm thinking about even like his offensive defensive rating, Okay, is, is trash currently, yeah. but which is kind of a, in some ways, a rated that, uh, uh, a weighted, uh, plus minus. But th- the fact that we all know that, and yet we're all still excited. I think there's enough 
that we're seeing out of him to see that uh, the pathway to him being a, a tremendous force and it's just a matter of him having the right uh, career progression and so we're all <laughs> fingers crossed but he's number two in my Timberwolf power rankings See, to me right now, Anthony Edwards is a good example of a person where the analytics haven't caught up to the eye test yet. Mm. Meaning that, you know, we kind of, cause we, you and I over the years have had this conversation about the analytics versus the eye test. And sometimes a guy like passes the eye test, but somehow doesn't like the analytics are just not friendly to that player. I think Anthony Edwards is a situation where the eye test shows like, oh man, this guy has got something. Yeah. Although I don't, I mean, I think it's a legitimately, he's not contributing to winning basketball. So I think in that sense, it's the, the analytics are right. Yeah. But, but what I'm it, saying is the analytics are going to catch up in another year oh, or two. Or he will catch up. To, he or, will catch yeah. up to the analytics. Yeah. Like there will be a better match between the eye test and the analytics I think will, uh, catch up slash he'll catch up to them and we will he will check both boxes is what i'm trying to say at some point right i hope what i want to do is take that iowa wolves coach and bring him up and make him manager of player development or something Mm. but number one Number one, you got to go with Malik Beasley, who is the only Timberwolf player that could make an outside claim at being an all-star contender. The guy has just brought it. He's had a handful of subpar games, but never for lack of energy. I think he's done everything. He He has been a better defender than we could have hoped for, given his history and some of his limitations. And he has continued his torrid shooting from last year. And he has continued bringing it and bringing it and bringing it, not just in terms of his energy, but also in terms of, um, you know, his, his role as he's becoming a team leader. He's like picking guys up on the court. He's encouraging, you know, guys that are going through rough stretches. He's vocal on the court. Um, everything about what we've seen out of him this year has been has been pleasing. I like to say Malik Beasley is the anti-Wiggins. He's a guy that you like to cheer for. He's the guy whose effort you see, the guy who can actually shoot a long-range shot uh, with, with consistency and somebody who is fun and brings some passion to to the game. So, Dan, I have a sixth man for you, which is somebody that I think, if the cards fall right, could be a future – Sixth man of the year candidate in the NBA, Jalen Jalen Noel. <laughs> ah, uh, the second coming of Shabazz Muhammad. Denise, <laughs> 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 I get from the standpoint not, that he doesn't pass. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, he gets he gets rebounds on the offensive end because he wants to shoot again. But no, no, it that's that's kind of unfair because he definitely shows a lot more defensive. Oh, awareness and attention than Shabazz. And so he's not, that's not a fair comparison, but yeah, but a fun one. The, but I do think I have him as sixth because yet when we talk about the youth movement and the potential Mm -hmm. and guys who might be a greater contributor than we had envisioned, if we can get cat back for a stretch, uh, I do like Jalen for that 
I think role, he deserves think to be talked well deserved about. spot on the sixth man of your power rankings as they stand on February 5th of 2021. For sure. I am, I'm, in with you on that. The guy has a, on a team that has a, a want of bucket getters. He is one. He has, he has tricks up his sleeve that are beyond his years in the league. All right. Oh, cut, cut off. No, no, I <laughs> He gives me the. He gives me like. I have, did wait, you just fire me? We 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 hadn't talked about these singles, but I gave you this this one, which is more like let's wrap it up. up. Yeah. yeah. In the and future, this will be the, and that will do it for our sixth episode of. Uh... I got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that will do it. In fact, Josh, for our sixth episode of Tip to Tap, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter under the handle Tip to Tap. You spell out. To T-O. And thanks everybody for tuning in. If you could think of anybody else that might want to join us for talking about the Twin Cities craft beer scene and the Minnesota Timberwolves, you could like one or both. We're happy to have you. Uh, please spread the word for Timberwolves Tip to Tap. I am Josh Dye. And I'm Dan Hilton. Let's Udipol's beer, mellow you out and mellow out your takes. Be reasonable, be magnanimous, and keep it fun, everyone. Go Wolves! fascinating man these timberwolves though yeah i mean i i I really do mean it where like i'm i (laughs) it's not just a bit it's like it's very frustrating it's like of course of course they're five and 16 of course you know (laughs) but at the same time it's like i i'm excited about things now that i wasn't going into the season it was the beginning of the season it's like oh can this team with cat and you know, Jake Lehman and Wancho Ernan Gomez, you know, make a push and it's, it's just a totally different. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's, it's fascinating. It was fascinating to, it's fascinating to watch like, all right, well, Cat's been out for a handful of games now and these young players are starting to get a little bit of time together on the court mm-hmm. and you can see it. Yeah. So it'd be just the worst if like Cat came back and all the synergy was gone. Cause they're not used to him. A guy that's like a usage rate of, I think it's going to actually help that – well, when has things ever been the most positive outcome? But the way yeah. he plays is so similar to Nas. It's just, you know, it, I think that that's going to help. They've continued playing the way they're going to want to play when Cat's out there. 
Yeah. So it'd, it'd be interesting to see who gets starters minutes. Uh, yeah, Dane wants to see Nas at the power forward. I think it would be intriguing because he's such a, you know, sort of threat, I guess. But I, I would be a little nervous that, like, mm-hmm. you know, you put Josh at the power forward and it isn't his size that holds him back. It's the fact that he doesn't know what a power forward's supposed to do. And I, I worry that that could be the deal with Nas as he's like, where am I supposed to be if I'm not? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't like that idea because I think you off the bench, you need his offense too. Yeah. Gosh, he, he would he, at this point, and he's he seems like he'd crush bench players, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like it's I I like I like the idea that that guy is yeah. playing against the other teams like next tier of talent in particular. You know what I found uh, is interesting listening to, and especially this last podcast I'm listening to right now with Britt on. <laughs> All of Britt's preseason takes are coming to pass, mm. and Danes are not. <laughs> it's really interesting like yeah brit was like just right and he was so suspicious of delo and rubio on the court at the same time and he was like the only guy that was and it's just it's just interesting and and well, it was I like when when it doesn't work then what happens and i don't get why ryan is playing them on the court at the same time well, the idea was always you have two elite playmakers with this offense where the ball is flying around, you know, and well, and they were coming off a season where Ricky had finally supposedly evolved as a shooter to the point where he could hit 40% of his corner threes. And, mm. you know, that we, again, we didn't plan on Ricky going back to his worst shooting career, of, uh, you know, season yeah. of his entire career. And it just, I just always interpreted both of those guys like, oh, you always have an elite ball handler on the court at any time where it's like, yeah, as long as one of them is in the game. Yeah, but does that mean that, so what is the, – the, the, this is the thing that Britt had an issue with is like, okay, so if they're not on the court at the same time, then that means what? Is D'Lo getting 34 minutes a game and Ricky's getting 16 minutes a game? Ricky's a $17 million a year, and before this year, he's a starter, he's a starter in this league. And now he's not only probably not very happy, he's got to change his own face, but he's now <laughs> torpedoed his trade value. So we're not going to be able to get much back for him if we do want to trade. Because at this point, it's like, wow, it would be nice to have Jordan McLaughlin as the main backup to D'Lo. Yeah. And Ricky not on the team and that six $17 million to use for something or someone else. And it, it's that's going to be tough to swing. Now you're going to have to throw in somebody we don't want to throw in to make that happen. Yeah. That's interesting. I, yeah, it's hard to say long. I mean, you have that $17 million and have Ricky not on the team now, wouldn't it? <laughs> it? It would, except for I, this is where I think that, you know, you kind of like write people off in a time like this and then cat comes back, but you've already like, parted ways because they didn't function in an environment that was never planned for. Yeah. And I'm, bl- yeah, I'm, I'm doing what I blame everyone else. But, but, I, but I think it's, a, it, it's, it's fair. And I, I do think the fascinating thing about Jordan McLaughlin is that he is a very adequate backup. I, I feel like teams oh, when he is more when, than, ad- yeah, he's he a- running the, when he is running the offense, that ball is up the court immediately. It moves, it's fast, it flows. And, and like, it only doesn't work when people don't hit shots versus like 
I, I love that guy. I would start the wolves, I mean, in, in like a weird way. I would start him. The Not thing zero, is, you know? he uh, <laughs> the wolves outsmarted themselves because they got they basically screwed him and put him on that two way deal. So they mm-hmm. literally, you know this, right? They literally can't play him every game because they'll burn through their two way yeah. days. And it's like, you know, you should have just given the guy contract i know it's like it would have had to come out of somewhere else but I mean, he's better than tyus jones ever was in my mind oh yeah and tyus was an amazing assist to turnover ratio mm-hmm. and I like tyus. it's not a knock plus on tyus minus you know savant but um yeah no tyus was yet another one of those timberwolves where every time he took a shot you held your breath because like mm-hmm. a guy that is a guy that has Tyus Jones physical attributes should not be a bad shooter, right? Like yeah, and his shot never even looked bad leaving his hand. Like every uh-huh. time he looked at his hand, it's like that's in, and then it's just like clang every time. Right. <laughs> so All right. Right. It's, it's it's but yeah, the, the one other thing, and I had brought this up past episodes, didn't this time, but you know, this team is never done with its wheeling and dealing. So we always sort of assume that you know, this, you're looking at the team, the way it is constructed and what else can you do? But you're like, you know, this team, you know, what's it by the end of the year, but we're now like just a few weeks out from the trade deadline. And for all we know, seven players yeah. are gone again. And then we're getting rid of seven family members, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you read Britt's latest article? Uh, hey, go um, ahead, this, we should have done, we should have kept, we should keep this recording. And then like, if people still recording. Up, People give us a Patreon, and this is the this is the <laughs> I bonus like, content. Can I have my money back, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the um, the it is still recording, mind you. So if you get compelled, you're welcome to like pull some of the stuff because this is like a beautiful and another thing, right? But anyway, yeah. so the uh, <laughs> uh, the oh shit, what was I gonna say? Whatever. <laughs> It really isn't an another thing. <laughs> We're talking about Tyus. Yeah. Oh, and trading players, the trade deadline. And might not have the same guys at the end of the season. That yeah, we no, I think it's gone. I think oh, it's gone. Josh, it's that's supposed was, to be me doing I know. That. That's usually Dan's beer-brained moment, not mine. <laughs> My beard combined with 50 years of uh Yeah experience (laughs) (laughs) but i have the sleep deprivation so i may just publish this as a an episode 6a (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so anyway yeah i i jordan mclaughlin man that's that's a guy you gotta say mclaughlin have you been like only watching McLaughlin. Have you only been watching uh, subtitles? Oh, I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> I actually do watch a lot of subtitles. But you, you give me a gorgy ding while you're at it. I, I know, yeah. <laughs> so I was talking about Britt's uh, article that he re- wrote in the Athletic, uh, evaluating the Rosas regime 82 games in. Yeah. Did you read it? Um, yes. Oh no, no. I actually didn't read it. I listened to him talk about it in long form with Dane, but I haven't read the article yet. You should read it because. To me, it is a very fair assessment of the situation. Like very fair. I was going into it, preparing myself to uh, think that he is a little too harsh because his tweets come across as pretty uh, harsh, I think, on the team and really skew 
negative like three out of four, which well, because well, because he's watching them <laughs> in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that um, his his article was so fair in terms of acknowledging the challenges and the bad luck, but also a very clear-eyed assessment of the decisions that have been made and how you would grade them thus far, I thought was like, yeah, that's... So, you know, Britt's kind of turning out to be the the winner of preseason concern projections. Uh, too late to, too late to change your six-man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Tomorrow morning over coffee, I think I'll sit I love to do a good... Uh, Tim Rule's article on the athletic over coffee on Saturday morning. So maybe that'll it's be a, my deal. It's a nice, uh, a nice routine. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Back to work. <laughs> all right. Have a good afternoon. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Hey, bye. Yeah, bye.